With that, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 this morning. One of the greatest passages in all the Bible, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. <clears throat> While you're turning there, I want to share with you another edition of Bad Doctrine of the Week. Bad Doctrine of the Week. This is the Christmas edition <clears throat> because Christmas is about Christ. Whether we acknowledge it or not, want to believe it or not, uh, in this world, Christmas is about Christ. Without Christ, there would be no Christmas. That word would not even exist. And the things that we do at Christmas, we celebrate, we decorate, we give gifts, and so on and so forth, should in some way respect and honor Christ. Is that not true? That's just good doctrine. What are we going to do with you? Give gifts or whatever your plans are. It's not about you. Remember, it's about Christ and Christmas. Unfortunately, sometimes we forget that, do we not? <clears throat> Some more than others. And uh, Christmas can take a wrong turn really quickly. Take this Fox News article from just a few days ago. This week, I just came across this in the news. <clears throat> it says, Florida man throws Christmas tree at wife after being asked to help with dinner. <laughs> That's the, the, it's not a made-up article. This was actually on national news. So let me read to you a little bit of the article to get you in the Christmas spirit. <clears throat> a Florida man alleges, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> a Florida man allegedly threw a Christmas tree at his wife during an argument that was sparked when she asked him to help make dinner. Amen, authority said. They didn't say amen. <laughs> Richard Atchison, uh, 52, lost his temper in the couple's Fruitland Park home Monday evening after his wife asked for help and put a spoon in the sink, accidentally splashing him with water, according to an arrest affidavit obtained by Fox News. Atchison packed his things and went outside to his vehicle before returning home because he had been drinking and, was told, and, and then told his wife to leave instead. When the wife tried to go, deputies say Atchison shoved her, picked up a Christmas tree that was in the corner of the room, and threw it at her, striking her. He then allegedly blocked the front door to prevent her from leaving. Atchison was booked on domestic battery charges and taken to the Lake County Jail without incident. Now, I don't know what kind of Christmas traditions you have. I hope this doesn't become a Christmas tradition in his house, okay? So whatever you do for this Christmas, I'm assuming you're not going to use your tree for a salt, but whatever you do, remember that Christ is the reason that we celebrate and nothing else. Okay? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Would you stand with me as we read this passage together? <clears throat> For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray together. <clears throat> oh, Father, for the beauty and the depth of these words, there are no others like it. This prophecy, this promise, this hope <clears throat> that found its fulfillment in Christ and does to this day, 
May that be the focus of our hope in Christmas and our joy and our peace. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> okay, confession time. I didn't throw a tree at my wife, but some Christmas songs I like more than others. But there is one song at Christmas that just drives me crazy. It's the repetition. It's basically one phrase that's just repeated over and over and over and over again. They must have written the song in about five minutes. Do you know the song? Might surprise you. It's called, A Baby Changes Everything. <laughs> Do you know the song? And it's just four minutes of, A Baby Changes Everything, A Baby Changes Everything, A Baby Changes Everything. And I thought, come on guys, you can do better than that. You gotta, you gotta put a verse in there or something. It's just one of those, it may be your favorite Christmas song. God bless you if it is. <laughs> but it drives me nuts. The staff knows how much I hate it, so it's the most popular song in the office. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, the theology of that terrible song is actually very sound. In fact, it makes a very profound point. Because of Christ, it, it, he did change everything. So today's message is entitled, <laughs> Baby Changes Everything. On a better note, I love Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Wow, what a great prophecy. What really jumps out at me, in fact, there are a number of things that really should jump out at you in this, this, this passage. In connection with the article that I just read, it declares that Jesus will be called, among other things, Almighty God, which says a lot. I mean, says it all. But it also says that he will be called Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. So if you're driving through rush hour traffic this week, and you will be if you drive, I want you to be thinking to yourself, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. Amen. And so if, if your wife wants you to help with dinner, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. Whatever is in your schedule, whatever you encounter in your life this week, remember that Christ is the Prince of Peace. But that's not what I want to share with you this morning. There's one amazing verse or clause in this verse that really pops out. And it is the phrase, and the government will be on his shoulders. Did you catch that? We often skip over that part to get to the wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. But that statement says a lot. What does that even mean? And the government will be on his shoulders. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Just briefly, there are two things that that statement means. Number one, when it says, and the government will be on his shoulders, it's saying that Christ sustains everything. Christ sustains everything. The government will be on his shoulders. The government was a reference to the leadership of the day. And remember, this was not in oppressive Rome of the first century when Isaiah prophesied this. It was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Rome even came to power. But he knew then 
He saw all the governments of this world and how corrupt they are and how what kind of injustice there is in our governments. Things have not changed. In thousands of years, we still struggle with our governments. But Isaiah says that God makes this bold promise to us that the, the greatest powers on this earth will be on his shoulders. That means we're not in charge. And we can't sustain anything except sinning. <laughs> we sustain that pretty good. Christ in his sovereignty, power, and authority holds up this world. And without him, we wouldn't make it five minutes in this world. We think we have such good plans and policies and laws and strategies and economies and all of those kinds of things. But you know our propensity for self-destruction. In fact, I find myself sometimes wondering, how did we make it this far? Well, I can tell you how we made it this far, because the government is on his shoulders, not ours. That's the only reason we're still here. I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> I watched this um, uh, show, this movie. This is back before all of the digital effects, by the way. You did what you had to do. You, you, they did what they could. Bless their hearts in Hollywood. And so as a kid, it was, it was the bomb. I mean, it was an amazing movie. It was a little movie called uh, The Planet of the Apes. Remember that? Now, if you go back and watch it, and uh, I just watch it until the moment that Charlton Helston starts speaking to the, to the apes, and I can't repeat what he said, but... <clears throat> But it's an interesting movie because uh, it's just so bad that the, the masks are so fake. But at the time, I, it was persuasive. That was, that was high tech. That was cutting edge, state of the art. And so I watched that and then they made a sequel, which was way worse. Uh, it took a bad turn. And, and in the sequel, there was this cult of humans that were meeting underground and they worshiped an atomic bomb. They had managed to, to, to find an atomic bomb and they worshiped that atomic bomb as their God. And ultimately, that's the, the destiny of the movie to set off the bomb and just blow up the whole planet. End everything. And I think that the Planet of the Apes had it right. <laughs> <laughs> Not theologically, but if it weren't for the hand of God and the fact that the government is on his shoulders, we would be pushing the button even now. Our city council and mayor, I've met them all, are good people here in Azel, but they're not in charge. And most of them would be quick to tell you that. Our governor is not in charge. I've shared before that our Congress and our U.S. Senate is not in charge either, and the president is not in charge of anything. The government is on Christ's shoulders. And it's great news for you and me, just as it was for the first century. When Herod found out about the birth of Jesus from the wise men, he sent out an edict to have every male child to and under slaughtered. Killed no telling how many hundreds and hundreds of baby boys because he thought, I'm going to end this because the... the the wise man indicated to him that a savior, a, a, a king, was going to be born. And he wasn't going to have any other king, so he slaughtered all of those children. But Herod learned that he was not in charge. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus called out his hometown, do you remember that passage when he went home? And he called them out for their unbelief, and they wanted to kill him. 
but they weren't able to because they were not in charge. In John chapter 5, when Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, the Pharisees wanted to kill him. But they couldn't do it at that time because they were not in charge. The government shall be on his shoulders. In John chapter 8, Jesus was conversing with a group of Jews, and he told this group of Jews that before Abraham was born, he existed. That made the Jews so mad that they actually picked up stones to execute them, execute Jesus right then and there. But Jesus, it says, just walked right through the midst of them and left town because they were not in charge. He walked out without a scratch. In AD 64, the Roman Emperor Nero made it illegal to be a Christian and began a campaign to persecute Christians and Christianity into extinction. He was not only unsuccessful, but a few hundred years later, in 323 AD, the emperor at that time, Constantine, uh, uh, put out an edict uh, renouncing all of the Roman and Greek gods that they had worshipped for hundreds and hundreds of years and announced officially that the kingdom of Rome would be worshipping Jesus Christ. Pilate, excuse me, Nero failed because he was not in charge. The government will be on his shoulders. Here we are in 2022. I want you to know the government is on his shoulders. In Daniel chapter 2 verse 20 says it this way, this another Old Testament prophecy and again a spectacular verse. Daniel 2:20 says, "Praise be to the name of God forever and ever." Wisdom and power are his. Listen to what he says in verse 21. He changes times. Let me stop right there. He changes times. God has authority over time. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So who is it that sets up the government? It's God. And he says he gives wisdom to wise. In fact, what it, what it really is saying is that it is God who makes wise people wise. It is God who makes the smart people smart. If it weren't for God, there wouldn't be any wise people and we'd all be dumb. No smarts at all. So whatever intelligence you have or think you have, you give God credit for that. He's the one that did that, not you or me. And then he goes on to say, verse 22, I love this. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. All wisdom and power are his. The government is on his shoulder. Even now, today in the United States, there are individuals, groups, institutions, actors, and athletes and high-pressure lobbyists who want to wipe away any history, memory, or record of past Christianity or Christian leaders from our history books. They want to change current laws and strip protections for Christianity from, in, from this nation, but they will fail because they are not in charge. The government will be on his shoulders. So Christ sustains everything. 
So, and I find myself asking this, Lord, how much longer can this go on? Well, it can go on as long as he wants it to go on because he's the one that's sustaining it in the first place. Secondly, because Christ sustains everything, and this is very important, because Christ sustains everything, we don't have to. Because Christ sustains everything, we don't have have to. Paul, beautifully describing Christ, says in um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It's speaking about Christ. Listen to this. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones, what does that mean? Kings, governments, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and what? For him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's why we know it's on his shoulders and that's why it's still holding together in light of the chaos in this world is because Christ sustains all things. On December the 3rd of 2012, author Ray Pritchard wrote an article entitled, The Government Will Be on His Shoulders? He begins by quoting our passage today in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Ray Pritchard then says this, I have always been intrigued by a phrase in this famous Christ, uh, Christmas verse, and the government will be on his shoulders. It, he says it means something like this. The weight of the world will be on his shoulders. This is a profound truth, especially for those of us who feel like we're bearing the full weight of the world on our shoulders. Do you ever feel that way? Tim Hudson tells a story about uh, George McClawson who some years ago served as a director of a YMCA in Western Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh. It was a difficult situation because the YMCA was losing money, losing membership and losing staff. In other words, things were bad and he was in charge to keep it from spiraling down to disaster. McCulson worked 85 hours a week trying to solve the problem. He found himself getting little sleep at night. He took little time off. And even when he was away from the job, he was worrying and fretting about the problems of the YMCA. He visited a therapist who warned him he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been there? So many problems and worries and complications and fears and concerns. It all becomes overwhelming, does it not? Somehow, McCulson needed to let go and let God take charge of his problems. But how do you do something like that? And he goes on to say, the breakthrough came one day when he took a notebook and ventured into a forest not far from where he lived. Obviously, didn't live in North Texas. But <laughs> as he walked through the cool woods, he could feel his muscles starting to relax. Sitting down under a tree... He sighed and felt at ease for the first time in months. 
listen to this part. He took out his notebook and he decided to let go of the burdens of his life. He wrote God a letter. Have you ever done that? Hang on. He wrote God a letter that simply said, Dear God, today I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. <laughs> Love, George. <laughs> That's a great letter. Dear God, today I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Love, George. Because we try to do that. We try to take the universe on our shoulders. It won't work. It has never worked and it will never work. And yet we keep trying to do that. How much weight are you bearing? And you may not even realize how much weight you're bearing on your shoulders today. How many problems and complications and fears, a lot of issues that you can't even do anything about. It's other people, other, other families, other nations, other governments, and other things that we don't have any control other than to give it to God in prayer. And yet we just keep trying to heap it on and heap it on. If it's not enough, we turn on the TV and watch the news or read an article and just heap some more on. We'll call some friends and let them just heap some more on. We just heap it on. We are not designed that way. We can't do it. And we don't need to do it because Christ will bear the government and the, the leadership and the power of this world on his shoulders. So he said, today I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Looking back on that moment, he says, he reflected with a twinkle in his eye and wonder of wonders, God accepted my resignation. <laughs> I think many of us need to do what he did. We need to resign as general manager of the universe. Are you worn out from trying to solve every problem, help your children, take care of your parents, get your coworkers shaped up, and in general trying to fix your siblings and parents and roommates and friends and neighbors? Are you exhausted from trying to repair all the broken people and all the messed up situations all around you and around the world? No wonder we're tired all the time. Here's what the message of Christmas, uh, how, this is where the message of Christmas becomes all important. Ponder newborn Christ in the manger. He came to set us free from the terrible burden and the inevitable failure of trying to hold this world on our shoulders. We don't need to. It's true, this world is a mess. Amen? It's broken. It's dark. It is lost. And it needs a Savior. But it's also true that we're a mess. We all still need a Savior. And that is the story of Christmas. Watch this brief clip. Have you looked around lately? The brokenness, the division, the hate. After a while, it begins to take a toll. We begin to view people differently. Servanthood gives way to skepticism. Faith transforms into fear. Love begins to languish under the weight of uncertainty. It's easy to become who we were never meant to be. Cynical, angry, lost. In moments like this, we're reminded of the lasting meaning 
of Christmas. A Savior given to bear the weight of our sin, to mend our brokenness, to make whole our divisions. The love of God on full display, bringing light to the darkness, giving hope to the hopeless. This Christmas, in the midst of these difficult times, may we all remember just how desperately we still need a Savior. So this is what I want to challenge you to do this week. I want you to do what this businessman did, what this manager did. I want you to find a time this week, could be right now, could be right here this morning, but I want you to find a time that you can get away in a peaceful moment. Now, I recommend always that you pray when you're on your way to work or you're in rush hour traffic, and that's a good thing to do, but this you probably don't want to do while you're driving because it's just too hectic. You'll be conversing with the Prince of Peace one moment and then mad as a hornet the next. I mean, it's really, it's really hard to focus. And you can't do it while you're on an outing with your family or you're at work and a million responsibilities and that sort of thing. You get alone, just you and your Savior. And I challenge you to do this. Write a letter to God. You might need to pen it down. I mean, literally, with a pen. And say, dear God, I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. And God will accept your resignation. Because we try to control things. Do you know people like that? Are you somebody like, are you a control freak? Do you micromanage everything? Don't, don't point at people, but <laughs> if you're like that, this is for you. Listen. You don't need to be that way. You don't need to do that. You're going to give yourself an ulcer. You're going to just destroy all the joy and the peace in your life. You don't need to do that. This week, resign. I'm not talking, don't go to work and resign, but <laughs> go to your God and resign and say, God, I've been trying to put the governor on my shoulders and it doesn't seem to be working. By the way, it won't work. Now, I think we ought to vote. I think we ought to care. I think we ought to pray for our government. There's no question about that. But you cannot sustain this government. You cannot put it on your shoulders. It will crush you. And you don't have to. Because we have a sovereign God who's in charge of all of that. So you might need to resign from that. And if you're overly stressed about other things in your life that you have no control, you need to resign from that. As you get ready for Christmas, you're going to pop if you don't take care of some of these things. And I know, I'm a pastor, I'm wound up so, so tight sometimes that I'm I know exactly how you feel because I'm there. Trying to hold everybody and everything together. Some people are so happy and some people are so sad. Some people are getting married and others are dying and things going on all the time. It's just bipolar ministry is. And I always say that. And a lot of times as pastors, we're all this way. We try to fix everybody and everything all the time. And we just get an ulcer in the process. Or we quit. Eight out of ten pastors don't make it ten years because it's just too, we just try to take on too much. And your job may not have better statistics. <coughs> resign. Give it to God. Will you do that this week? Pray with me. Father, we come to you right now 
And I ask and pray that you would help us to get into a moment, maybe right here, right now, a quiet, peaceful moment where we come before your throne and we resign. We acknowledge that the government we own his shoulders, on Christ's shoulders, that he is a, a Lord of all. He sustains everything. He's holding it together so we don't have to. And Father, for those things that we have charge over in our life, those responsibilities that we do have in our family and our loved ones, the things that we can do, may you bless us as we do those things. Beyond that, let us resign. Whatever it is that's stressing us out, may we resign. As we get ready to worship the Prince of Peace, let us have peace in our life. And we know you want to give us that. But we have to resign today. For some, we need to resign from the sin that's in our life. We've never given our life to Jesus Christ. We've never repented of those sins. We've never asked for that forgiveness. We've never asked for a Savior. And we've lived a life knowing that we need a Savior, but we keep putting it off. And today's the day. Now is the time. This is the moment. Just like those that were baptized this morning, where they said, I can't do this. I need a Savior. I need to be saved. Father, if there is one here today, may this be the hour of their salvation. May they come to you. Father, there may be people here that are looking for a church home and they know this is the place or they just want to come and kneel and pray. I pray that your spirit would guide and direct right here, right now. As you're praying, can I challenge you to do that? Can I challenge you to resign from carrying the weight that God did not call you to bear, he will bear it for you. As you prepare your heart for Christmas, almighty God, wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, will you let him reign? Would everyone stand? No one's looking around. As you pray and as you stand, this invitation is for you. You come.